Hi friends, I am Erin from Erin Whalen Online, and this is a podcast about my family's homesteading journey. From an urban farm in Washington State to 120 acres in Tennessee, this is our journey of how we got to where we are and how we're building our homestead from the ground up. Hello friends, this is Erin with Homestead Journey aka Whalen Farms, aka I have to apologize because um, I left you guys hanging on February. I cannot believe the last podcast I recorded was February 22nd and it is May um, and I don't really know. I can't explain to you what happened. I got busy. I was like, okay, I'll take a week off and then you know how you don't do something and it's just like it's hard. It's like working out. You work out for a while, you're consistent, it's wonderful, it's very easy to do. You stop doing it, and then for some reason there's just this wall in front of you that you have to climb over to like begin something again. So that's kind of what happened. <laughs> um, but we're here, we're back, um, and we're going to share and talk about all the things um, I have since February. We've had baby kittens, we have put in our gardens, we've done two amazing country cottage gardens. Um, if you guys want to be like updated on everything definitely make sure you're checking out the blog weekly I post on there also Instagram I'm in stories daily I'm posting reels and photos so that's a way to stay updated when I'm not on here because this is only a once of a week podcast apparently lately once every two months podcast but we are jumping back on the bandwagon again I say we like there's more than it's just me um and so but I am jumping back on this and we are doing it there's the we again. Um, and I'm so excited to talk about all of the things that we've been doing here and just kind of spring on the farm, our goals and plans, and just kind of talking with you guys about also your goals and your plans and just kind of gaining inspiration from each other. I need to get a few more people on here. If you guys have recommendations of someone who I would talk, could talk with or interview, definitely shoot them my way on an Instagram message. I would love to know who you would like me to kind of collaborate with. Um, someone is experiencing gardens or herbs, things like that. I have been doing the farmer's market. So there's just a lot going on. Um, so it's spring is such a time of just being alive. Everything just feels fresh. It feels new after kind of the stillness of the end of winter time where we just have that anticipation and that expectancy of just wanting this next season. I am so glad that we can now flush that out. We are in it. We are doing the thing. I basically have just finished my planting. I know um, some people in the Pacific Northwest in the colder climates are actually just starting their planting season. So we're all kind of like meeting in the middle where some of us are finishing and some of us are beginning, but we're all in this spring, just excitement uh, of what is to come in the rest of this year. So um, I'm glad to do that and be here with you today, just kind of experiencing that together. And we are going to continue our chat on chickens. Um, there was a few things it's been fun. I have seen so many people on Instagram getting new baby chicks and just kind of doing this all for the first time. And it's fun to see it through the eyes of someone who uh, this is just all of a first time thing versus someone like me who has just been through the process so many different times. It doesn't kind of hold the same like it's always exciting, but it doesn't hold the same excitement um, as someone who is just dipping their toes in first time dealing with these little fluffy little birds. Um, it's just been really it's been really fun to relive kind of the excitement of it all through them. Um, but I have gotten a lot of questions lately about birds with other birds. So chickens with other birds like 
like ducks and guineas. And I've also gotten questions about ducks and guineas and also gardens and birds. Because a lot of people, if you have chickens, typically you're just kind of on the path where you also are going to have gardens. You want other like homemade homesteading things. And so how do those, how do those work together? Um, in tandem or what you need to do to protect one from the other, all that jazz. First, we are going to cover um, chickens and other birds. So I have always, I have had ducks for several years. I did have ducks in town too. I don't remember if I touched on this in the last episode. It's <laughs> Ducks in town are not something I would typically recommend. They are so cute. We had, um, oh, I forget. It starts with a C. I forget the name of the breed, but we got a quieter breed. There are some that are known to be um, way more talkative and noisy, and there are some that are a lot quieter. Um, and so we did get the quieter ones when we were in town just, you know, to try to be nice to our neighbors. But they are very messy, and they are very messy. They require a lot more effort and work, especially because they're always, basically it's because they're always dirtying the water. Ducks need to clean themselves to function properly. They do need water that they can submerge themselves in to clean their wings, to preen themselves, to apply the oil that um, they have in their chest all over their bodies. Um, and so it's a whole process and they have no respect for water. Like they won't just go to the pool. They will go first to the chicken water. They will ruin it. They will make it all muddy and gross, dump it over, poop in it. Um, and then they'll jump over to the pool and do the same thing over there. So there's definitely more constant maintenance of going out there, cleaning the waters out, trying to find ways to prevent them from dirtying waters. What we did at this house was we actually laid a concrete pad um, where the chicken water is. And so it's probably about two feet by four feet and it's just enough to where we put the water we have two watering things um just rubber rubber made um dishes that we keep the chicken water in we have one that's a little taller and one that's smaller and so um we put those in the very center of the pad and that really does prevent the ducks because they usually they go around and they um they kind of scoop up because they're rinsing off and like eating the roots and things like that um, around the area and so they'll take their dirty their dirty their dirty mud water essentially and put it in there kind of clean off their weeds and stuff and then eat the weeds and leave all the mud and stuff in the container well when you kind of create that barrier of the concrete it's not as easy for them to do that and they will go to their pool because that's an easier source or wherever else you have their specific water and do that so yes it still does get dirty but we have no significant improvement in the ability to keep the water clean and not have to be changing it out two three four times a day we just basically do our one once a day clean out rinse of the chicken water and then the ducks have um, a watering trough as their pool right now we have a galvanized i think it's like a four foot by two foot it's probably about a foot and a half deep um, i think it was around 120 dollars, and so that's what they have as their um pond essentially in the chicken coop and so we have actually it is kind of hard because they're domesticated ducks they can't fly and they can't get up into things as easy as um not a non-domesticated duck and so we actually dug out a spot and put a stump so they can kind of hop up and jump in it and it's not as high up and then they can easily get out as well they can kind of jump out easier than they can get in but you do need to kind of create a stepping area for them to get up in there because if we were just to set that on the ground and fill it up they would have a very difficult time getting up into it so you have to kind of keep that in consideration as well um but in the city we 
when we moved to our secondary house, we actually did have a pond with the whole river thing that came with it. It was cascading down the whole side of our backyard. So we had a half an acre and probably about a third of an acre was our backyard. And someone had put in this really bougie like whole waterfall system that had a little pond in the top, a bigger pond in the middle, and then like a huge and like a larger pond at the bottom. And it was a whole river system when they had, I mean, it was, it had to have been pretty expensive to put in. Um, and then it obviously had the pump to take it all the way back to the top of the yard because the yard was kind of at a slant. And the ducks just basically annihilated that thing. They um, went in there and they basically like took the sides and they just brought the sides of the ponds, the sides of the rivers into the pond, basically making this huge amount of sediment and such in the bottom. It was mostly a rock line pond, but they would bring all the dirt in from the outside. So they were basically just eroding the outsides of the pond, bringing all the dirt in. They would go into my beds and they love to get the roots and the bugs that are in the dirt. They're really great at getting slugs, but they were just creating a lot of, they were just making a mess. Ducks are messy. They're beautiful they're so fun but they are messy so we ended up finding a farm to give them to they were really excited about them they love them i actually follow them on facebook so i haven't for a few years but a couple years ago i saw them in this like huge gigantic it was probably like a third of an acre pond and that was just like their play area so they definitely upgraded from us and i'm sure they're way more happy there but they just they require a lot um, and then especially when they're babies, if you bring in a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to get a couple ducks with my baby chicks and they put them together in the same container, which I have done. Um, but again, you're going to have issues with water because the ducks are going to spill all their water and chickens can get sick from too much water too much wetness around them. And so typically you would want to separate them and keep them in different containers, or you're just gonna have to be having a lot more maintenance um, and cleaning multiple times a day to keep them together and not have an issue where you're creating bacteria and just build up of stuff that the chicks can't handle. Um, Chickens and ducks work really well together, though. I they, they don't fight as long as they've all grown up together. They've had no issues. We did have um, one of my ducks pass away, and we got a duck that did not grow up with the chickens. He was already probably about six months old, and he had not been around chickens, and so he could not acclimate to the chickens. He was very aggressive, um, very rude, and so we ended up having to get rid of him. So as long as you start everything, the best way to start all these animals is just from baby chicks. Um, integrate them as soon as you can, and they will grow up together, and every Everything will be pretty seamless. Um, and so that's the only issues with the ducks and the chickens um, is just the water, just trying to solve the water issue. Um, we also have guineas here at this house. And so let me briefly talk about guineas because I get a lot of questions about them. Um, we purchased the guineas for ticks. Guineas are not an in-town animal. They are extremely obnoxiously loud. Um, you kind of learn how to tune them out after a while. So they don't bother me. They're also very, they're loud when there's new people or intruders. So sometimes a lot of people will look, they'll come over and they'll visit and they'll be like, oh my gosh, your guineas are so loud. How can you stand that? And I go, well, they're loud because you're new. They don't know who you are. And so they are sounding off that there is something changed in their environment and it puts them on edge. Dip, typical day to day when we're here, we're working normally, unless they see a fox in the woods, a deer, a bunny, anything like that, they will sound off. But for the most part, they're pretty chill. Um, but they they just kind of, they make noise like every other animal does. Um, and so they, but definitely not in town, they love to fly. You're not going to really be able to keep them in a structured enclosure. That's not really what they're for. They are for um, 
helping with pests and insects. While they do eat and graze and they will have some greens and some vegetation, their typical diet is bugs. They are little meat eaters and they're savages about it, which is amazing because we had a significant problem with ticks when we, first, when we first moved here, I would not even go into the forest, but the forest is so close. Like we had a pretty small yard. Um, and so the forest is very close on all sides of the house. And I would walk the yard and come in and find a tick on me. And I, I honestly was not even close. I don't know how they got on me because I wasn't even close to the woods. It wasn't like I was walking on the edge of the forest or anything like that, but I would have ticks on me and the dog even with the tick medication and the flea and all that kind of stuff, he would still have several ticks on him a day. I would pay the kids a dollar a piece to um, remove the ticks from him and to check him every night because there was just ticks everywhere. And that was just a huge no. I was not going to do that. My grandma had had guineas. I had heard from several other homeowners that said guineas were amazing in helping the tick population. So we got 26 from... I believe we ordered them from McMurray Hatchery. They're French Blue um, is the kind, which is just like the standard, typical guinea. Um, they are so tiny. They almost look like quail when they come in. They're just very, they're much smaller than chickens, which is kind of interesting because they, they grow to be about the same size as a chicken. That's the, pretty much the standard size. Um, and they go everywhere. So thankfully for us, we don't have neighbors very close to us. So the neighbor down the way is probably about... I don't know, maybe a, a fifth of, I don't know, it's probably like a five minute walk on each side to the neighbor's house. So it's like quite a ways. Um, and we have our 120 acres, we're about set in the mid, so we are on a rectangle um, with the short pieces, like the short part facing the road, and then it kind of extends long ways back. Um, but if you had close neighbors, it would be very hard to keep your gaze away from the neighbors because they probably take on about three acres around our house. They are out way deep in the forest foraging, maybe even further than three acres. They just kind of go all over the place. Now we trained them from the very beginning. We did not let them out for the first three months of their life. We had them in their little um, brooding area for about a month and we transferred them to the chicken coop um, with the chickens and everything else. The chickens at that time were still pretty young as well. So they accepted and acclimated very well to each other. Um, and we kept them in there for three months solid, not letting them out besides the exterior run and the interior coop. We fed them, watered them, basically showed them this is home. This is where you belong because guineas are notorious for taking off and just never coming back. And I'm pretty much convinced that that only happens if you don't keep them confined for a specific amount of time to teach them that this is home because they, like I said they are not very intelligent so it has to be something that's repetitively done over and over again that just kind of like they they develop a routine um we I had someone the other day that was like oh you know my guineas are flying out at night they're roosting in the trees they're not coming in I'm afraid I'm gonna lose them and I was like well how old are they and she's like well they're a month old and I was like, no, they need to be confined for at least three months in the indoor-outdoor coop area before you release them. And then we started releasing them in the evenings for a few hours before night. And then once dawn or once dusk happens, they will generally just go in because they know this is where we go in at night. They've created that routine, that pattern in their head. And so they just, even though they don't know why, they're doing it because that's just how it works. And so we would just let them out for longer periods of time and longer periods of time. And now they go out, they forage all day long, they're all over the place, and they always come back in and roost at night. We have not, 
We've only had three die, and it was from leg issues. Um, Guineas are notorious also for um, injuring their legs, especially when they're growing up. If they jump too far, they will bust their legs. It's just kind of one of the things that's genetically happens with guineas. Um, Not so much when they're adults, but when they're little. And so we had a few that had broken legs. And they kind of healed, but never great. And they're so wild that you can't, they're not like chickens. You can't really tame a guinea. I've never seen a tame guinea that someone can just come up to and like love on. That is not what guineas do. They have a very wild um, personality. And so they kind of healed by themselves, but eventually they just got sick and we either had to put them down or they died. Um, But besides that, they've never ran away, which everyone is so surprised about. And they just are kind of floored when they hear that we don't have that issue. Um, Like last night, we couldn't find one for whatever reason. And this morning I went out and she was standing out there um, just screaming because all the other ones were inside and she wasn't there. So I don't know where she went by herself, but she came back and she wanted in that coop and she was missing all of her buddies. So um, definitely a training thing. Patience, which I think is kind of something that you have to do with any kind of animal you bring onto the homestead. It's patience with teaching them, with growing them with developing them, with setting them um, to have kind of the patterns throughout the day that they respond to. Um, And so they all live together. We do free range all the time unless we're not home, then I'll put them all away. But um, the guineas have just extremely decimated our tick population. So if you go in the forest, generally around where they go, you're not going to find ticks. But if I go across the road and I take a walk and come back, I will always have a tick on me because they generally don't go across the road. Um, And so it's just, it's huge difference. Night and day would highly recommend them if you have an issue with that. And even with bugs, like last year we had chiggers and things like that. And I would be gardening and come in and I would have just bites all up and down my leg. And I have scars still from those bites. But this year I have not had that issue at all because they just go after absolutely everything. They love to eat the bugs. Um, so highly recommend them if you have a bug issue just know they're going to have a huge area that they kind of canvas and walk all over they're loud they're obnoxious be prepared okay so I think that kind of covers all that let's talk about gardens and when we constructed our gardens we knew right away that we were going to fence them in and yes the fencing is for the deer and yes it's for the bunnies and that kind of stuff but more than any of that It's because of the chickens. The chickens would absolutely decimate your garden. People want to know all the time, oh, I'm sorry to let my chickens out. Are chickens good in the garden? Do they help keep the weeds out and the bugs? And absolutely not. Chickens are ruthless. They don't care if it's a new baby tomato plant. They don't care if it's a weed. They don't care. They will move it to get what's below it. They will scratch around it. They will turn something into a dust bath and break break your plants. Um, Once they start to produce fruit and vegetables, they will eat those. Um, yeah, they're just ruthless. Uh, they also love lettuce. They love radishes, um, all that kind of stuff. So they will just go in there and they will eat all of that. The lettuce, especially they're all about it. Um, so you cannot have those together. They just, there has to be some separation. You have to have, either you can find your chickens or you make a fence around your garden. They really can't intertwine. Once your plants get established they don't, it's, they don't really kill the plants, but they will, you'll fight them for the produce or they will um, take your beds and they'll make them dust baths. And if you don't have sides on them, they will kind of like erode the sides of your beds, all that kind of stuff. So it's just generally 
Generally, if you can somehow keep them separated, that is gonna be the best solution. Guineas are not as bad. Guineas, again, because they like to have insects and they are more of a little meat eaters, little carnivores. Um, they're not really after your produce, but because they're in there, they're digging around, they also do the dust baths, there's still, there still could be some damage to your plants, especially when they're little. Everything obviously is more susceptible when they're little. Um, so just try to keep that separation. Ducks, um, yeah, ducks, honestly, they're just ruthless with everything because they are root eaters and love the slugs and everything. They're just going to go through and they're going to toss all of your vegetables and everything aside as well. Once you get them established, again, not as big of a deal, but no, it's not great together. And a lot of people want to know if they can use chicken poop or like when you clean the chicken coop, if you can use that in your garden as fertilizer, you definitely can. But chicken poop is what you consider a hot fertilizer. So there are certain poops like... Um, camel or not camel sorry llama alpaca um that kind of poop that you can put directly on a garden like you could literally take it fresh steaming <laughs> and throw in your garden and it's not going to be too hot for your plants um as far as too much nutrition um but if you take chicken poop and you put it in there it is too hot and it could actually kill your plants chicken poop needs to it's like a best um, apply it in the fall and let it sit over winter and then till through the soil and everything so it has time to cool off and kind of slowly distribute its nutrients into the soil and um, dilute I guess a little bit more than just putting it straight on so while chicken poop is great for the garden um, it is not great to just take directly from the coop throw on your top of your tomatoes or around your tomato plants and think that everything's going to be okay because you're going to definitely have some issues with that um I know not everything you can put a fence around. So I have several garden beds that the chickens do have access to. And I have planted things from seeds. And it's just kind of a 50-50 shot. Sometimes they'll leave them alone. You kind of plant double than what you want because you leave some kind of you give some to nature. The chickens will come and they'll take a few, but your other ones will survive. And so it's just kind of a crapshoot. You just really don't know what's going to happen. And so I have several um, garden beds. I don't. I just don't care as much. You know, like the the tomato plants and stuff that I have put a lot of effort into. I grew those from seed inside. I started them months ago. I transferred them out. I kind of have one shot. You start them at a certain time of year, and they have to grow. Versus, you know gardening for flowers and stuff is a lot more forgiving and you do have time and um, the flowers and stuff aren't as enticing to the chickens as produce and lettuce and all that kind of stuff so you know you pick your battles you plant what you can um, if you can mesh things or cover them up for a, a little bit of time to get them started and then um, once they have um, a few inches of growth on them the chickens and everything are a lot less likely to bother them. Um, and so you just kind of have to play with it. And you'll learn as you go what they do and don't like and what you can and can't or shouldn't shouldn't protect. And you just kind of go with it. But you can have a wonderful um, melding of beautiful gardens and chickens. There just has to be um, a layer of protection or separation that you can just kind of figure out in your own specific area. Now in the fall... I love to let the, the chickens out in the garden in the fall and they just go in there and they kind of clean up everything and they um, they love to eat all the bugs and everything that's left over. They just think it's it's like Christmas to them in the fall when I have picked everything. The gardens are pretty much done and I just release them in there to just kind of do their thing. They kind of help me clean it up a little bit and that's fun and they enjoy that. So truly spring, early summer is really when you have to kind of keep them separate. So that I believe is going to be the end of our chicken talk for right now. I'm not saying that we'll never talk about them again because I highly doubt that that's true. We want to raise um, Cornish cross or meat birds next year. 
Um, and so we will definitely talk about that. Meat birds are, you only have them for about six weeks. Um, they develop really quickly and then you do the whole butchering process and all of that. So we'll talk about that sometime. And um, also we have pigs, which I forgot to mention. We got those a few months ago. And so we are raising those to butcher this fall. We have two. Um, and so there's a lot of fun content coming up. But I think next time I definitely want to lean into sharing about our cottage garden that we made, our canning garden. Um, kind of talk about the other gardens we have, the flower field I planted and that kind of stuff. So if you have garden questions, send them my way and I will write them down and we will try to discuss those and cover them in the next episode. So thank you guys for um, listening to this. We're being here after two months of break and we're just going to get right back into it. So I will talk to you next week.